Good morning, New Beginnings Church family and friends. Welcome to our Palm Sunday service. If this is your first time joining us, we want to welcome you to the Church of Reconciliation. And if it is your first time joining us, I invite you to go to our website, nd-ccc.org, and sign up and go to the con uh, contact section and send us a note letting us know that you've connected with us and that you want to be part of our ongoing church communication. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday. I'm not sure how familiar um, many uh, people are with this celebration. I know I grew up Pentecostal and I don't remember Palm Sunday being a big um, church event for us. But it is uh, the Sunday before Easter. It is also the beginning of Jesus' last week on earth before the crucifixion. It's the Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem where he is met with great celebration. The scripture reading for today is in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And actually, this particular story, you will find it in all four Gospels. But today, we're going to focus on the Gospel of Matthew. And it says this, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, O Santa to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, O Santa in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Palm Sunday is a traditional annual service that starts the Easter week. And before we get into the sermon, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most living and loving God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you, Father God, for the gift of our faith, God, that we get to come and, and celebrate today. We ask, Holy One, that you prepare our hearts and our minds and our ears this morning to receive your word, to receive this message. I pray, Holy One, that it becomes uncomfortable for us, that it stretches us, God, that it, that it pulls us, God, outside of our comfort zones, God and be able to be present in the message that you have for us today. I ask, Holy One, that you make me small so that your message, message may be magnified, and that you remove any gaps between your will and my words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So being that it's a, a celebration that we do every year, how do we, do we make it fresh for us every time? 
you know, I think that's a challenge that a lot of pastors have um, as we celebrate um, these traditions, these um, seasons that we celebrate every year, year after year. Or the pastors say, you know, every year we find these uh, scriptures and we try to squeeze some, something new from them. And, and the reality is um, because there are so many different angles that we can take. I have preached on this particular scripture several times. And, and, and at one time, I remember preaching and focused solely on Jesus. On another sermon, um, I talked about the people and some of the things that we could connect with or recognize from there. You know, I even, uh, in one of my sermons, talked about the donkey and the lessons that we can learn from that. But today, I want to focus on the experience. As we follow the story and we see the different events that took place and also see the different reactions to those events, I honestly think that it applies to us today. So today, I want to look at Palm Sunday, not just the story, but the experience. One of the things that I do at church when I preach is I try to, to center uh, my sermon on three application points. I recognize that if we give too much um, we might lose some people's attention. Um, so I want to I keep it small enough so that we can take notes, so that we can take the information and, and use it as we pray and spend time in devotion throughout the week. So I'm going to focus on three life application points today. So take out your notes so that we can start um, taking notes together. The first life application point is going to be the anticipation in the crowd. In fact, the definition to anticipation is the action of anticipating something, an expectation or a prediction. Knowing that, we also know that there are good expectations and bad expectations, which then would have good um, anticipation and bad anticipation. So just to give you some examples. You know, an example of, of something that's a good um, anticipation would be maybe when we're looking forward to our birthdays. You know, our birthdays are coming along and, and we're looking forward to being around friends and family and, and the celebration. And who knows, maybe you're even interested in, you know, excited about your gifts. And so, so the, the anticipation is great because the expectations are expectations that we like and, and are looking forward to. And then there's uh, other types of anticipation that are maybe not as as good, and that is, uh, for example, let's say you took a test at school. And so even though you studied when you took the test, you're just not sure how well you did. And so you're waiting for your um, grade, and, and the anticipation um, is, is a little more difficult because your expectation is that it might not be good. And so, so here's an example of um, anticipation that um, instead of leading to excitement, leads to anxiety and even fear. And the interesting thing is, as I was looking at this comparison, I realized that I have experienced both of those um, emotions, both of those good expectations and, and bad expectations, which result in good anticipation and bad in my life and definitely also in my ministry. So what was going on here that was, that was causing the crowds to be out there? See, by this time, they had heard um, and they had seen what Jesus was doing and the amazing miracles that he was doing and the great things that, that, that he had done and they had heard about or seen or witnessed. And, and so they were excited to see him because 
in their minds, well, if he's doing these things for other people, then um, he could do these things for us. And so they were excited to see him and they welcomed him. One of the important things to recognize about why it was so exciting for them at the time is because by this time the Jews had been oppressed by Rome. And they knew that God would send a Messiah. They knew that God would send someone that was going to come and save them. And they knew that that was Jesus because they had seen all the things that he had done. So, so they knew that this could be the one. This could be the one that came, that was coming to um, deliver us. See, they had been oppressed and they were looking for the Messiah to bring deliverance to them. They had been abused and were looking for the Messiah to bring justice. They had been persecuted and they were looking for the Messiah to bring revenge. So, of course, knowing that, they very much needed the Messiah. That's why the crowds. That's why they were anticipating Jesus is coming. And that's why they lined up and, and it, scripture tells us that they were taking branches and they were waving their branches, which is why we call it um, Palm Sunday. And that they were throwing their cloaks or their garments on the, on the road so that Jesus could pass by him, almost creating a red carpet effect for Jesus. Crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, which means save us. See, they were certain Jesus was the one they desperately needed. But their expectation was that it was going to be a physical deliverance. See, they were wanting a warrior, not a prince of peace. They were looking at that Messiah to come with a cavalry, with soldiers, not disciples. They were expecting a bloody war not spiritual liberation. They expected him to talk about vengeance, not forgiveness and grace. So by this point, they're saying, whoa, this is not what we were expecting. And I want to pause right here, because I think when I talk about it applies to us today, can we relate to that? Remember when, when we first came to Jesus and when we had that excitement and that anticipation because we definitely, depending on where we were in our lives, we needed that Savior. We needed that Messiah to come and liberate us, to come and bring freedom, to come and, and bring vengeance and justice. And then we realized that it wasn't everything that we wanted. It was what we needed but it wasn't the things that we wanted. He wasn't aligning to the things that I wanted. He wasn't answering the prayers the way I wanted the prayers answered. And I know I'm speaking to many of us out there that have come to that place where we're realizing that the things that we specifically were asking for are not necessarily happening the way we wanted them. Yes, we can relate to that because that is something that um, I think we see a lot today. And then we get to the point in where we start getting disappointed. See, this is a thing, and I mentioned this um, last Sunday in the sermon, and it was, it was something that I read that um, it made me uneasy because, uh, because it is true, but, but it doesn't make it comfortable necessarily. 
This particular pastor said, what gives God glory doesn't always give us pleasure. And I think that that is why sometimes we have that, that fear or that anticipation, because we know that what we are asking for is probably not aligned with God's will for us. Or maybe I should say we know that what God is going to tell us to do is not something we want to do. And then I think we also make the mistake in our expectations to think that, that the, the physical um, or, or the uh, material expectations um, will open the door for us to be happy and for us to have peace. Somehow we think if we just had the physical or the material things that we needed, if I just had this job, if I just had this money, if I just had this person in my life, then things would be different. And, and, and see, this is where I think we have to understand that, that money and material things and, and, and fame and, and power do not always bring happiness. You know, I'm not judging, but if that was the case, we wouldn't see so many people that, that are powerful and rich committing suicide or, or turning to drugs and other destructive behaviors because they're, they're looking for that happiness. They're looking for that something to fill that void. So, so I think at this point we need to ask ourselves, what are my expectations? And, and, and we get our cues from the world. It's easy to, to look at material or, or physical things to think it's going to make a difference. I remember a story about a friend of mine that tells me that her mom used to tell her, Mijita, my daughter, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich man as it is to fall in love with a poor man. And she said, and I, I promise you it is much easier and better to be crying in a beautiful home in a Mercedes Benz than to be crying in an old beat up pickup truck. The message here is, we have a, an idea, that we subscribe to an idea that if, if we have wealth, if we have material things, it makes life easier. So my challenge to us this morning is, what are our expectations? What is the anticipation that, that we have when, when we think about what Jesus has for us in our lives? It's something deep and something that I think we do need to spend time in prayer and devotion to answer those questions. Here's life application point number two. Is let's look at the obedience that we see in this story. There's two scenarios that I want us to look at. One is where Jesus tells the disciples to go. Now, this is interesting because he doesn't give, the, he gives them some detail, but not very specific information. In other words, he says, you go and you find this donkey and this colt and it's going to be tied up, but, but doesn't give the details, for example, of saying, go to this specific place, ask for this specific person, and, and the donkey is this specific color, and, and once you find that, then I need you to bring it to me. See, they don't have all those details, but yet they were obedient. It says, Scripture says that they immediately went and did as they were told. And my question to us this morning is, are we that obedient? Because all the disciples needed to know was that the Lord needed it. And so when we are asked, to go, when we are asked to, to do um, the things that God sometimes calls us to do, is the Lord needs it enough? Or do we struggle because we want proof 
because we want the details. We want to know enough information to know that we're not going to fail and we're not going to make fools of ourselves. And the reality is that is not faith. The thing is that when we don't understand something, we say that doesn't make any sense. How many of us, and be honest, how many of us have told God that? God, that makes no sense. And, and so I'm not going to do anything until it makes sense to me. And when we do that, we miss out on so many blessings. I can tell you from my own experience, when God put in our hearts to open a church, my first reaction, honestly, was that doesn't make any sense. We already uh, participate in a church. We're already doing ministry. And God was saying, but I have something specific for you to do, and I need you to do this. Whether it makes sense to us or not, we need to be obedient. And, and, and it's a an, testimony in my case. I'm glad that I did because God has blessed us in a way to be part of a ministry in which lives are being changed and lives are being reconciled. And I think we would have missed out on those blessings had we said no until we get all the specifics. Here's another scenario that we should look at. The owners of the donkey. See, maybe you and I have a hard time connecting to this story because I don't think I know anybody that owns a donkey. And so for us, it's maybe a story that we can't really understand. But see, a donkey in those times, it wasn't a pet. It wasn't just an animal. A donkey during that time was, was something that they used probably to do the work that they needed to do. Uh, it was something that was part of what they needed for their well-being. And then to take a donkey that had never been ridden on means that they had probably just gotten this donkey. It's a brand new donkey. And I imagine that, that you had just gotten a car to be able to go and do, your, do the work. And then you're asked to give up your car. Well, I can't give up my car because I depend on my car to be able to do the things that I need for my well-being. And so, so here, this is where we struggle because God sometimes will ask us to give up something. And, and, and we say things like, I have put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this and you want me to do what? You know, I, I've heard uh, people say, I, you know, I, I have the skill to teach. I have, been, I have the preparation to teach and you want me to teach on Sunday at church, but I do that all week long. Why would I want to do that on my day off too? And I wonder how many of us are holding on to our gifts and our talents and our skills that is much needed in the ministries today and we're not doing it. And today I want you to hear this loud and clear. The message is for us and all that we need to know is that the Lord needs it. Now, I'm going to say something this morning that might not make me very popular, and it's going to be recorded, so it's going to be out there for it to be a reference. But I think this is happening today. See, all the churches in our country are, are having to do things differently as we're having to deal with this pandemic. But this is really affecting small churches because we didn't have the resources or, or, or even the equipment to be able to stream messages, um, sermons, uh, or services live. 
And so we were just kind of pushed into doing this. And, and some churches are struggling because we just weren't prepared for this. And the thing is that we probably have the skill and the talent to be able to do. Every church probably has the ability to do this. But there are people that instead of stepping up and saying, what can I do, are abandoning their small churches today and going somewhere else where it's already done. Instead of taking our place to, to put this together, we're abandoning small churches and go somewhere else where it's already done. See, the truth is, even in Christianity, we have a consumer mentality, a mentality in which we think, what's in it for me? And the moment that it stops being what's in it for me, and the moment that, that we stop receiving something and we are asked to give, is a moment that we say, why would I do that? So, so the message today is, this is not the time to abandon small churches. This is not the time to abandon your churches. This is the time for you to step up and, and go to your leadership, go to your pastors and say, what do you need for me to do? You know, this message is being recorded with an iPhone. So the majority of the churches out there already have the resources to be able to do this. So, so let's take our place. You know, why the donkey? And, and, and here's one of those questions where we could say, this doesn't really make any sense to me. Why would Jesus need a donkey? And what Jesus was doing here is he was fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. And, and this is my message to you today. All of us have been prophesied over for our lives. There is a prophecy in our lives that needs to be fulfilled, but in order for that to happen, we need to be obedient. It doesn't have to make sense. We don't have to know all the details. All we need to know is that the Lord needs it. And that should be enough for us to say, yes, Lord, send me. Let's look at life application, point number three. Let's look at the crowds. We go from Hosanna in the highest to a week later, crucify him. Now, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of commentaries out there that, that um, have a lot of conversation about this. And, and, you know, there are some that say it was a whole different crowd. One crowd was the ones that were saying Hosanna, and it was a whole other crowd saying crucify him. Some were saying it was some combination of both. I think there's enough of a gap there for us to make an assumption that there were probably some people that were at the beginning calling out Osana, that when they started seeing what was happening in that week, where they started seeing that Jesus, instead of coming in, uh, riding in on a horse, was coming in on a donkey as a sign of peace, when they realized that they didn't like some of the things that Jesus was saying, I honestly believe that they walked away. And I also think that some were the same ones that were at the beginning were also a week later saying, crucify him. But those that stuck around, 
those that, 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 that like the disciples that believed in Jesus, that followed Jesus, that, that had seen what Jesus had done, as difficult as it was and as much as they still didn't understand, they stuck around to the resurrection. And what a blessing that was for them and is for us today. And today I invite you to continue all the way to the resurrection. Yes, we, we go through Palm Sunday in which we, you know, connect and, and identify with all the different emotions. And, and yes, we have to go through Good Friday. See, many, many of us want to just skip Good Friday. We want to we focus on the, on the beauty and, and the power and the awesomeness of the resurrection. But you cannot have a resurrection without death. So today I invite you to stay the course. But you know what? As we continue in this week and as we look at Good Friday and understand that Jesus had to die in order for resurrection to happen, in order for you and I to be able to, to have the life that he's talking about in our salvation. So my question to us is, what needs to die in our lives? There are some things and this is an amazing time for us to, to do those assessments in our lives and ask, what needs to die in my life? What is, what is that sin that I've been struggling with that I need to just stop? What is that, what is that addiction that I have, hit, have kept hidden, but it really needs to die today? What are those things that I've been holding on to, those, those, um, that anger, that resentment, Maybe it needs to die today. And, and as we look at those things, we, we find comfort in knowing that, yes, we go through these moments of, of assessments and, and, and seriousness in our, in our lives, but then there is Sunday, Sunday of resurrection. And my question to us today is, what needs to be resurrected in our lives? What do we need to bring to Jesus that needs to be resurrected? Maybe, maybe it's our joy. Maybe it's our hope. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our churches. I don't know, we all could fill in the blanks there, but this is a great invitation for us to be reminded that there is resurrection in Jesus. And that the same God that resurrected Lazarus and resurrected Jesus is the same God that we pray to today that can resurrect what is needed in your life. I invite you to join us next Sunday as we will learn the rest of the story of the resurrection. So in conclusion, this is the time for us to take our place. This is the time where we, where we stop um, the, the fear of, of the anticipation and, and instead find comfort and, and the excitement of it. This is where we stop abandoning and start saying, yes, Lord, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for joining us. I pray this service blessed you and your family. I invite you to go to our website, nb-ccc.org, and let us know how you are doing. Send us your prayer request, and it's also an opportunity for you to give your tithes and your offerings. Let us pray.
Father God, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Holy God, that, that even though many of the sanctuaries are empty this morning, we are probably reaching many more lives than we normally would have had we been in our own structures. So I thank you for that because you are the God that will take something like this and would make something amazing happen. As we listen to your message this morning, God, I ask that you give us clarity of thought, God, so that, so that we can stop God doubting and so that we can take our place, God, that you've called us to hear you loud and clear saying, because the Lord needs it. And may that be enough, God, for us to feel activated and say, yes, Lord, send me. And Father God, for those that are going through some difficult times, God, will you give us strength and courage, God, to stay the course and to stay until we witness and experience the resurrection that you have in our lives. And Father God, as we bring this service to a close, I pray for the tithes and the offerings that will be submitted today, God. I ask that you bless them and that you multiply them, that every cent that is given represent a changed life. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.